Hello, everybody, and welcome once again to another edition of Under the Macroscope, Skybound Capital's weekly podcast, and something of a difference today. We don't have the chief strategist in our UK office, Jabir Sadawala. We have our chief investment officer, Theodore Shu, based in the Hong Kong office of Skybound Capital. And it was high time that uh, we bring some focus to Asian markets, to China, and uh, Theo's expertise in that regard. And Theo, it's great to have you as part of the podcast series. And perhaps the most obvious place to start before we get into uh, specific companies and investment strategies is to start with the COVID situation. We saw the pandemic uh, during the course of 2020 and uh, a lot of focus on China in the early days. And perhaps you can update us with the COVID situation in China and across Asia today. And just finally, how it might impact the staging of the Olympic Games in Japan. Thank you very much, Matt. It's a great pleasure to be on the show, and I do hope I can be a regular on the show going forward as well. Um, I'm very happy to give our audience an update on the COVID situation in general in Asia, and let's see whether we can still have the games on. Um, I would say COVID is already behind Chinese people by about a year. Literally, for the past 12 months, uh, most of the uh, mainland Chinese are living a normal lifestyle with the only exception of wearing masks. So you still have many people on the street wearing masks. Uh, you have many people um, in, in even offices sometimes wearing masks. But other than that, people are enjoying their dinner, dining out, uh, going to movies, having parties, uh, having large gatherings even. Um, some other parts of greater China didn't uh, enjoy as much. For example, Hong Kong experienced uh, several uh, big uh, spikes of new cases in the past year. And Taiwan is another surprise. I mean, they, they barely had any new case for almost a year, but in the recent weeks, we are seeing many, many new cases there. So that has been quite disappointing. However, the entire world should be focusing on India for now. We do know um, a few weeks ago, new cases went up to almost half a million a day in India. And just this week, it has been gradually coming down to about 300,000, a quarter million a day. It seems the peak is, has passed, but there are still many, many concerns. We do need to keep a very close eye on the development in that particular market because that account for nearly half of the global daily new cases. And more importantly, it has a spillover effect on all the peripheral markets, for example, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, even Southeast Asia like Thailand, Laos, where you find a lot of new cases with this Indian variant. And in aggregate, we are looking at about 70 to 80% of global daily new cases centered in this particular region. Where are we standing? Japan is seeing as many, if not more, new cases every day compared to a month ago. They gave up a lot of things. I, I'll give the credit to Japanese because uh, 
uh, as some of you might know, the first of week, the first week of May is the golden week in Japan. And that is the longest national holiday throughout the whole year. On a daily basis, we are still seeing somewhere between 4,000 4, to 6,000 new cases uh, with more and more parts of Japan under lockdown with all the hope being our uh, resuming Olympic games in about two months time. The day before yesterday, the prime minister came out reassuring everyone that Japan is still on the right track to Olympic games. And then on the side, the International Olympic Committee also give the confidence vote saying, we are certain that the games will take place in, in Tokyo this year. However, if we look at the domestic uh, opinion polls, etc., it's not as rosy or not at least not as optimistic. Um, the national media NHK conducted a survey lately, more than 60% of the interviewees actually supported cancellation of the games. So it's, then, a, it's a very delicate balance, Theo, isn't it? <laughs> Politically, uh, keeping international visitors, athletes, sponsors, uh, investors happy uh, mm -hmm. versus the will of the people at home. Oh, I, I agree 100%. And all these opinions are based on your stance, right? Um, if I'm a law average citizen, I can totally understand. I, I want to protect myself. My healthcare, my security is above everything else. But then if you are an athlete, as you said, many athletes are probably having their prime time right now. Skipping one Olympic means too much to lose to them. And you're also right about investors. I mean, Japan is the third largest economy and Japan is super wealthy, but even for a super wealthy country, um, it's never wise to lose money for nothing. And there's been too much sunk cost in the Summer Olympics, in this upcoming Summer Olympics. Theo, let's, let's move back to China. A lot of noise around China in the early days and months of, of COVID. But later in 2020, it was China that led the global recovery. Uh, but not so much in recent times. They seem to be lagging behind the rest of the world. Is there still value to be had in investing in China? Oh, absolutely. Um, but I think we need to further elaborate the situation a little in that uh, you are absolutely right. If we look at capital markets, uh, Chinese equities have been lagging behind uh, most of the developed markets this year. Uh, Chinese bonds were facing some challenges as well this year. Uh, some of the investors get very cautious when they saw uh, super large Chinese SOEs potentially having defaults. So yes, it is true that um, Chinese capital markets so far this year have not been offering good value or return to investors in general, but that is not true for Chinese economy overall though. So um, I think our estimate is that China contributed 
to roughly 60 to 70% of global growth last year. And China is going to contribute another 60% of the global growth this year. So uh, in a way, you, you can all, almost argue that China single-handedly uh, helped the recovery. I wouldn't say they, they stimulated the recovery, but China definitely helped the recovery. Um, but the, the sluggish markets in recent time can be associated with several factors. Number one, uh, relatively slow rollout of uh, Chinese vaccines, which is interesting because you were absolutely right that China led ahead of pretty much all other markets in fighting COVID last year. And as I just described, the Chinese people were living in a no COVID situation for, for a very long time already. Um, but that was also possibly why China was relatively slow in rolling out, um, uh, delivering the vaccines, et cetera. So just a month ago, uh, the penetration level um, or meaning percentage of population that were fully vaccinated in China was roughly five to 7% a month ago. Uh, they, they definitely felt the pressure. So they accelerated the rollout very quickly. Um, as we are uh, speaking now, we are looking at a rate of about 15% uh, um, population being fully vaccinated. So in, in terms of numbers, uh, more than 450 million doses have been administered uh, in China. I think uh, it's worth noting, and I'm sure a lot of our audience have remembered how Jabir has been dragging about um, inflation for many, many months in the past. And now we are actually feeling um, how inflation is impacting global markets, particularly this year. So you might know that equity valuation is uh, very often based on discount cash flow. And there is this key input in all models, which is your discount rate. Now with inflation expectation hiking, um, many equity analysts are increasing their discount rate. Therefore, it has a big impact on long duration assets, particularly emerging markets, and China being one of them, right? Because prior to this, investors were, opt uh, were optimistic about China or other emerging markets thanks to their long-term growth prospect. But now, if we are discounting more of the long-term growth prospect, that translates to a smaller present value. So that's why uh, we are not just seeing the underperformance of China, but we have been seeing underperformance of overall emerging markets since the beginning of the year because of inflation. And that is number two. But lastly, I also want to attribute part of the underperformance to how uh, there's a, a bigger portion of technology stocks uh, um, in Chinese equities now. For example, I'm sure a lot of international investors look at this index called MSCI China Index. But how many of you are aware there two companies make up for a third of the index? And those two companies are Alibaba and Tencent. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have seen tech stocks being sold off globally. Uh, there's no exception to these two names. Uh, 
given how big a portion they are in these uh, Chinese indices, uh, it shouldn't come as a surprise that China didn't do well as a market. Yeah, I've got to stay with Tencent. You you mentioned it, and uh, you sent me a, a very interesting piece in in the last twelve hours or so, which I think for a lot of our clients and our subscribers to the podcast who are South African, uh, they always like to to keep an eye on Tencent, uh, given its uh, South African relationship. Uh, and and you're talking about good results, but uh, share price not necessarily following. What's going on? Um, this today has been a very interesting day for Tencent and for Tencent investors. I'm sure uh, different people will have very different uh, views, particularly between retail investor and institutional investor. Overall, business remains very, very healthy on all fronts, but across different business units, GAME recorded the lowest growth. And as many of you know, GAME is the single largest piece of Tencent. But GAME is also always the most volatile piece because um, you probably have seen many great gaming companies globally. Their business is not much different from movie companies that from time to time you can have a hit and that generates a big following uh, and grossing a lot of dollars but then you might also go through some quiet years. Tencent has defied that trend since its inception meaning Tencent has always managed to sustain very strong growth even in games even in this volatile segment but we are seeing probably the, the last bit of fast growth now. And it is very, very difficult to sustain super high growth considering how big a base now it has. It literally is among the world's largest companies. So that's what the retail investors are seeing. Now let's move on to the institutional side. What will the institutional investor be more concerned about? That is a section in this latest earnings results. Tencent literally dedicated a section called invest for future in the earnings announcement. What are we reading between the lines from this invest for future? To me, the key takeaways are two. Number one, Tencent also mentioned sustainability and they want to invest into social value. What does that mean? That means that sending a clear message to the regulator. We want to be a good corporate citizen. Uh, if you have been following what Alibaba has pushed out the market is that Alibaba just weeks ago also announced that they're going to invest billions of dollars in the next few quarters to regain market share. So to me, this sounds like large Chinese tech companies are building their war chest for this upcoming warfare that they're going to compete head to head, neck to neck, very fiercely. That is going to be a lot of uh, seeing to all the speculators in the market, but 
at the same time, for long-term investors, I think it means short-term bad news because your profitability of these companies are not going to be like what they have presented to you in the previous quarters. And they might stay uh, not so profitable for a little while longer. Well, Theo, it's a, it's a fascinating one to keep an eye on. And uh, we do appreciate all the work you do across Asian markets for the Skybound Capital Group. It's been great to have you on the podcast. And we look forward to the next one. We have no doubt there will be further updates on uh, Tencent and others. And we'll also keep a watchful eye on any announcements around uh, the Olympic Games taking place or not. So, Thanks again to Theo. Don't forget that Under the Macroscope is available on Apple, on Spotify, and on the Google podcast platform for Android. And all our podcasts are available on Skybound Capital's website at www.skyboundcapital.com. Till next time on Under the Macroscope, have a great week.